What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Granham. And here we are in the, um, I guess, the first doldrums of summer. So we are going to take a dive through the community over at the Celtics subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Boston Celtics. But first, before we get to the Celtics Reddit, yeah, so our pals over at Shades On Beer Company, they're the makers of the delicious Geno Time Stout. Shades On Beer Company is going to bring us this deep dive into the Celtics uh, Reddit page at the moment. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, as we always say, go check out Shades On Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. Geno Time Stout is going to be available pretty soon in the summer, but they have plenty Ten of days. other... 10 days. Geno Time Stout is going to be available in 10 days. We're recording this on July 5th, so Mark your calendars, July 15th, Geno Time Stout will be available, but check out all of Shades On's, Shades On Beer Company's other beers and check out the Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. And with that, let's dive into the Celtics subreddit. The first post we have is from Euro Hoops. Israeli guard Yam Madar is expected to be joining the Boston Celtics for the NBA Summer League per Moshi Barda. He's now moving to Boston for workouts with the team. As you all might remember, Yam Madar was selected with the 47th overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. That like very, very excited about that. I mean, this this summer league team for the Celtics with or without Madar would be very fun, I think. And I, you know, his addition, he seemed to have a pretty successful season, but who are you going to have? You're going to have Moses Brown, maybe Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith. Like this is going to be a pretty fun summer league group. Yeah, I would assume it's like you're looking at like Carson, Romeo, Neesmith. I think we'll get Pritchard. Well, maybe not Pritchard, but I think we'll get. No, I think we'll definitely get Pritchard because they missed it last season. Yeah. So I I think we'll get those guys for sure. Summer League Moses Brown would be a fun little preview too. I would. It would. Yam Madar had a really successful season last year, Granum, yeah. to your point. Like he had, you know, I looked it up. The basketball reference has him down for 30 games last season. He averaged 17 points, five assists, three rebounds. And really importantly, he hit 40.9% of his three-pointers. And that was crucial for him. He was known as this super flashy passer and just an absolute pest defensively. Another one of those guys that like, where I think, I think Danny Ainge never lost his step when it came to drafting because Yamadar is the kind of guy that would really pique Danny's interest. You know, tough, hard-nosed, great passer, but like his shot was always his question mark. And this year he hit 40% of his threes. So I'm really curious. I think if, if he's hitting threes, he's going to be a really, really interesting player. And I don't know how he would get minutes if he came over this year, but interesting, uh, really interesting player. They're also going to try out a bunch of undrafted guys probably because sometimes with summer league, you get a few maybe carryovers guys who might've played a couple games in Maine uh, with the main Celtics now, not the Red Claws, but obviously the main Red Claws didn't play last year. So there's no carryovers. So they're really going to have their pick of the litter in terms of undrafted free agents, which I think will be rather interesting to see who they take a look at because they have those two open two-way slots. And so whether they bring in a guy after the draft, like immediately after the draft with the expectation that he's going to fill that two-way slot, you saw it with Max Struess. There's always a chance that he gets pushed out come training camp and summer league should be able to uh, give us a pretty good hint at who they might be looking at for those slots. So the Celtics have the two two-way spots. Does anybody have off the top of their head, like their roster situation, like how many 15-man spots they might have? Yeah, so the Celtics have 13 players under contract uh, for next season. Tatum, Horford, Brown, Smart, Thompson, Romeo, Rob, Neesmith, Williams, Parker, Pritchard, Edwards, and Moses Brown. If anybody wanted the full rundown, 
they obviously will not fill one of their guaranteed slots with their draft pick. So they will have some space, you know, they will have some, some room to work with. Again, to Greno's point, there could be a bunch of guys who are interested in playing for the Celtics uh, based on the fact that they have those two open slots. Because a lot of times, you know, the teams that don't have any open slots are the guys who really can't get in anybody, you know, of note in for summer league. So Celtics might have a uh, might might have a squad. I wonder who they're going to get to coach if they go to Hardy or Adam Himmelsbach raised an interesting point about Ime Udoka potentially coaching because sometimes first year coaches do that, but he is working with Team USA. So that presents a pretty serious conflict. I know Will Hardy has plenty of summer league coaching experience. Who knows what the coaching staff is going to look like right now? It seems like the coaching staff as it stands is Ime Udoka, Joe Missoula, and Will Hardy. So you don't have too many options here. I'm curious to see what the staff looks like. Prior to the coaching change, I think Missoula was a good option. Agreed. Anyway, so maybe he might take on that assignment, but... Yeah, but maybe you don't want Missoula because you want an assistant coach to get more familiarity with the players too. I don't right. know. Yeah. Curious to see. I, I mean, again, I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, long before the draft or even summer league, we'll have a full staff at some point to pick from. Definitely. All right, moving on. Next, we have uh, the great point debate. Why Marcus Smart should be the C's starting point guard and why he shouldn't. Nicole, I want you to read this entire post. I am not going to read this entire post. However, I am curious for your guys' thoughts on Marcus Smart being the starting point guard. I think the thing the Celtics should be most bummed about, maybe, is that it isn't Terry Rozier. Like, man, in retrospect, what a swing and a miss to go overpay somebody instead of just giving Terry three years and 60 million. But yeah, I think Smart has shown that he plays well with Tatum and Brown. Those tandems have been good in the past. And I think, you know, pretty much everything that Brad and Ime Udoka have said is that they're trying to make sure that Tatum and Brown play with players who, you know, complement them and who make them better. And I think, I think Smart's a a good candidate for that. He does compliment them well. And I think, uh, you know, you look at a group of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford and Marcus Smart, good things will happen with those guys on the court. They know how to play with each other. And I think it's a good, it's a good group. There's not a huge amount of upside that some Celtics fans might want. They want a flashy Dame Lillard option or something like that. So I I get why some people might be down on that because they know what they're getting with Smart, but there's a huge benefit of that. And I think when it comes to helping out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart's a pretty good option. He compliments him well and he knows how to play with him. That's what I was going to say is like, realistically, who would be the alternative? Yeah. Yamadar? <laughs> Obviously, yes. <laughs> All right, so next we have a Jason Tatum workout in Miami with Bam Adebayo. So that actually brings us to our Gino Time Daily Draft by Shades on Beer Co., which Granham already told you about. Today we're going to be drafting basically the most desirable candidates for the Celtics for Jason Tatum to recruit from Team USA. Jason Tatum is going to be competing in the Olympics on Team USA. He's one of 12. And that has previously been a time where players start to, you know, at the very least bond and form relationships. And that could end up leading to partnerships or super teams down the road. So we're going to draft the most ideal candidates for Jason Tatum to be pursuing this summer. Who wants the first pick? I think you should use the randomizer. Okay. Wow. Using the randomizer. I got the first pick. Followed by... (laughs) I'm stunned. (laughs) Followed by Tom and then Grenham. It means I'll get Kevin Love. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with the first pick, I mean, 
Obviously, Kevin Durant is he's a good best, basketball player. Yes, probably the best player on this 12 man roster. However, I don't think he's that available. I don't think he's interested in coming to Boston. He had his chance, however, many years ago and passed up on the Celtics. So I will not be drafting Kevin Durant. I will also not be drafting Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum, like we don't need this. He doesn't need to put forth more effort. Like, I feel like that was already established. So I'm not going to take Bradley either. I'm going to take Devin Booker. Some of that might be like prisoner of the moment because the Suns are in the finals right now. But I think that Booker and Tatum would be along the same lines of sort of what we talk about with Tatum and Beal. But Booker is just younger and more on the timeline. Booker would be like a future play. Like Booker is is like a like couple of years down the road. Maybe like they made the finals this year. Maybe the Bucks win. Um, you know, maybe Chris Paul was really crucial to their success, and they can't really replace him. And a few years down the line, maybe Devin Booker gets a little antsy. That's what you're playing for with Devin Booker. You're not you're not trying to be like, hey, come this offseason because Devin Booker will be like, nah, dog, I'm gonna win a championship. Yeah. <laughs> No, totally. Like, that's not like Bradley Beal would be like sort of immediate that he would be coming, whereas Booker would be in a few years, like basically closer to when Tatum's extension is coming up. So whether that means they trade for Booker to try and keep him here or whether Tatum's like, all right, see ya, I'm going to join him in Phoenix. Exactly. That's the concerning thing. So with my number two, I mean, I'll obviously take Bradley Beal. He is the most obvious candidate. Obviously, like Nicole said, I don't know how much Tatum actually has to say to Bradley Beal. Like, I feel like most of the conversation could just be Washington isn't going to win anything and we're super tight and you want to come? And I feel like the answer would probably be yes. Beal's my pick here. He and Tatum would be disgustingly good together. And the Celtics, I think, would be smart. If, if it sounds like Beal wants to come to Boston, I think the Celtics would be pretty smart to... uh at very least put out some feelers and see what's involved both because he's talented and because of what that might mean for keeping Jason Tatum happy, who, you know, obviously is the face of your franchise going forward. That's the most realistic one. Yeah, definitely. And, and looking up and down this list, there aren't a ton of realistic ones at the moment. I guess that's generally how this works considering these are all star players. With my first of two, I'm going to take Bam out of bio just because I think it makes probably the most sense out of the remaining players. Tatum's been working out with him in Miami, so it seems like they have a pretty good relationship. I just think Bam out of bio would be perfect for the Celtics roster. He'd be perfect for most rosters, but it would be a very, very nice fit on the current roster. And with a similar idea in mind, like I'm going to take Jeremy Grant with my next one. I know he would hate coming to Boston and there's really no interest on his end there. And there's no interest from Detroit to get rid of him, but I think he would be a perfect fit on this roster. So that's why he's going to be my second pick. But I also really love the idea of Bam Bio playing with Jason Tatum. I was between Bam and Booker when I was making my pick because I really like the idea of, I'm one, I love Bam, and two, I love the idea of him on the Celtics with Tatum. He is another one where I fear it will be the reverse situation for the Celtics because, again, Miami is a prime recruiting destination. Like, it's not going to take much efforts to convince someone to play there. South Beach Tatum very well could be a thing. Nicole, I was genuinely, having podcasted with you throughout the Celtics Heat series, I was genuinely surprised that you did not take Bam out of bio. It was really between Bam and Booker, and I somewhat regret not taking Bam, but <laughs> he and Tatum would be, like Grenham said, he's perfect for the Celtics roster. So yeah, It would be an incredible fit. 
the current layout. Again, the most likely one is Bradley Beal joining the Celtics. And I think if, if Jason Tatum ends up being teammates with Devin Booker or Bam Adebayo, it will be in their current teams. I think that's a very good bet. By all, that's actually one of the reasons why I was leaning toward this guy above some of the others. I don't even know how his fit would be with Jason Tatum, but I'm going to go with Zach Levine. Another bucket that you can't double team Tatum because then Zach Levine is going to go crazy and, and that can hurt you as well. Um, Levine obviously is not the defender that some of the other guys that we mentioned can be, but just uh, just build the Drew Hanlon All-Stars. You get, get yourself your, your Zach Levine, your Bradley Beal, your, uh, your Jason Tatum, and, and you're, you're cooking with something. Chicago's not that good. Like It's not completely unreasonable that he might want out at some point. So he's kind of an, an interesting under the radar guy, I think. The realistic thought of Levine wanting out, like that's a possibility much more than a lot of these other guys on this roster. And again, there's the a handling connection. There's like, there's something there. For sure. And then I guess with the last pick, I will take Damian Lillard just because they have already apparently spoken. We should po- point out they have spoken. They spoke about playing at Team USA, according to the report. We don't know that they spoke about like Dame coming to the Celtics. I, I-, I get that it's know. like, oh, they exclusively talked about Team USA. Like that doesn't seem likely, but I mean, we don't know that they sp- spoke about the Celtics. But regardless, the fact that they talked about playing together at Team USA, like I wouldn't have guessed that, to be honest. Like I wouldn't have expected Tatum to care if Damian Lillard was going to be there because his best friend Bradley would already be participating. So I think that that's probably the most likely pick too, sort of by like default, because the other guys, like we said, KD's not going to be available. Like Draymond, the Celtics wouldn't be interested most likely at, at this stage in his career. Like Drew Holiday, they tried and Kevin Love, maybe I doubt it though. And then Chris Middleton, I highly doubt will be available. So for Celtics fans, though, they would probably love the Chris Middleton edition, considering he just murders the Celtics every time they play the Bucks. Chris Middleton joining the Celtics is like a 14-point swing. <laughs> like Everybody else that you trade Chris Middleton to on the ESPN trade tracker, it's like plus two wins. And then like the Celtics one, it's just like plus 46 wins. <laughs> 82 and 0. <laughs> But like, ultimately, my biggest takeaway from this exercise is like, there are legitimate possibilities for Tatum, like real scenarios that could actually happen, in my opinion, it's not all of a sudden going to manifest itself like immediately, like when was the first season of like the heat super team? 2011. That was after the 2008 Olympics. So like that took three years to come together. It could be a while before we actually see like the fruits of these relationships. Nonetheless, like I legitimately think Tatum could form like real bonds with these players and that will impact his future. It would be fascinating if like, if it started to split up in different ways, right? Like if like there was like the 2020 Team USA group and if it was like Jalen and Donovan Mitchell (laughs) and then like, it was like Tatum and Levine and Booker somewhere else or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting ways that that Split, could be. It just splits into the disappointing ass FIBA team <laughs> and, then, and then this one. Which yeah. would be a really good NBA team, which is weird. Yeah, like, very good NBA team. Just disappointing international team. Yeah. <laughs> But I think your your point is well taken. Tatum is someone who's attractive to other players in the league to play with yeah. as he continues to develop. He's an all-NBA player. And it's going to be interesting to see if like if he's the one putting teams together or if he's the one getting recruited. And that's why it's so crucial that the Celtics keep Tatum happy now. Exactly. You have to keep him happy now because, again, at 28, 29, he is going to be a draw. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in Boston or Phoenix, you need to make sure that do whatever you need to do to make sure that it's in Boston because it could be. But you got to lock that down. 100%. 
And even if they don't win a championship, they need to be like a desirable place. But if like the Celtics don't really make any headway in the postseason and the Suns continue to be this like conference finals threat, like that's a way easier sell for him to leave. So I feel like a lot of it too is contingent upon like the performances of the individual teams and things like that. But I'm like really captivated by this. I know it's a long watch, but I am like very eager to see how it plays out. Just to to that point, uh, I think that is one of the reasons why it was smart. The Celtics went out and hired Ime Udoka, who seems to be really popular among players, seems to be a really good, like, you know, X's and O coach and just somebody that everybody who works with him likes him and respects him. Like, I think that was was a good time to, to bring in somebody like that. Let's do two more posts. Do you think the Boston Celtics will win a championship with the Jays as our best players? So I'll say, I, I would say no. And it's not, but it, I, I don't, not as an indictment of the Jays. I, I just think like, if you're going to say, do I think that this team will win a championship or not win a championship? The answer is going to be like, no, I don't think they're going to win a championship. Betting on the field is better. I think that they could. If this question was, do you think the Celtics could win a championship? Sure. Like weird things happen in the NBA and the Celtics are like, have the pieces to be a good team. So I don't think they're overwhelming favorites, so I'm going to say no. I don't think they will. But again, that's not an indictment on two players who I think could be championship players. I'm a little lower here on my answer, but I think it's key to know, again, there's not an indictment on Jalen or Jason, but no, I don't think they're going to win a championship with the two of them at the top of their roster. I think they're both very good individual players. When they're playing together, there's not championship upside in my mind to compete with the other elite teams in the NBA. That That's the key point. There's some really good teams in the NBA. And I think with the Jays at the top of the roster, I don't think the Celtics, I think they can compete. I don't think they can win a title with them. And that's just kind of where I stand right now. They're both really, really good players, but I don't, I don't see it. I, I want to see what they look like with a better bench. Like last year's team was, was built really weird in a weird season. So I, I want to see what they look like before I make any, before I say anything like that, I want to see what they look like next year. Cause I think, I, I think they're both really, really good. And having two really good wing players is look at the Clippers. Like the Clippers yeah. are led by two wings and they, you know, were probably a Kawhi injury away from the finals this year. So I just really think they missed their shot in the bubble. And I come back to that quite a bit. Assuming full health, I think there's too much competition. I agree. I think they'll still be a way better team than they were last year. And I think they'll still be like an annoying out and present a fight. But if there's full health across the league, there are too many teams. Yeah, that's key. Not an indictment. Like Tom said, not an indictment, but it's more a a praise of the other team saying, you know, there's some really damn good competition out there. And I don't think they can hold up against those guys. And that being said, like if there's not full health, the Celtics at full health are good enough to then compete and win a title. But obviously you can't think on that. So you never know. And maybe it could break right for them. But if everybody else is healthy, like all things considered equal, I don't think they have much of a shot. Reddit, however, disagrees with us. Out of the 2,900 votes this poll got, 2,300 people said yes. And 632 people said no. I just tried to vote no, but I have to be logged in. Okay. This is a good cue for you guys. What should the Boston Celtics look for with their second round pick? And it's another poll. Best player available team fit, long-term project, it doesn't even matter. That's a good question. I think when you get into the second round, there's a lot of benefits to looking for the best player available. When you get that deep, 
But I think the Celtics, as their roster currently stands, they could bet on a long-term project. They have the current setup where they have the luxury of doing that. They're not looking for guys to contribute sooner rather than later. They Their second round pick isn't going to contribute for quite a while. So I think I would probably narrow it down to best player available and long-term project. And second round pick, I always lean toward best player available. That's just kind of a, a standard thing for me. Yeah, I feel like there's kind of an option missing here that should be on there because I think there should be best project available. I think if, I would just take on kind of like the highest upside. Like I'm not going to mm-hmm. take the best player available. I'm not taking on somebody just because I want a long-term project. I'm taking on the guy that I see is having like the highest upside, like again, the best project available. So, I mean, if I could vote that I would under these parameters, I don't know. It kind of doesn't even matter. (laughs) This person's not going to play much. I don't think it's also going to be hard because this year's, there were some gems in last year's second round and there's less. So this year, this year's depth is tough. It's so top heavy. And then there's kind of this, this big droop in the middle where I'm just like, not that I'm not like that interested in it. But then in the second round, I do feel like there are some guys who are, you know, kind of getting pushed back there that are somewhat intriguing. I mean, especially, I mean, you got like the obvious ones, like, you know, BJ Boston, like there's guys that I'm like, Dacian Nicks interests me. Marcus Bagley interests me. Mm-hmm. Like guys who I see projected out there, like Herbert Jones. I don't know. I, I think there's, I think there's some pieces to be found in the second round. Say a guy like Josh Christopher slides yeah. down the board, right? There's some serious upside there offensively, of course, with a guy like him. So, you know, maybe the Celtics try to push up to 40 to grab a guy like him because he would be an interesting project. And you're right. There are good players deep in there. Could you try to grab a guy like Charles Bassey or something like that? That could be yeah. an interesting project. There are certainly some interesting, some interesting players uh, there, but I could also see the Celtics using that 45th pick to grab someone with a bit of a higher floor to maybe be one of those two-way slots. If they think someone's that valuable to grab there and develop as a two-way player, then maybe they do that. So they, they could go a number of directions. Who the Celtics should consider taking is Joe Weisskamp from Iowa. Okay, he is very good. Like yeah, well, yeah, really He good. is actually one of my favorite second-round guys. Very, yeah. very good. And this is going to sound so generic of like a white second round guy, but he is way more athletic than I thought he was. His vertical leap was the best one, second best one behind Mac McClung on the first day, like really, really fast, pretty good defensively, much better. Like he really impressed me at the combine. I was kind of shocked by how well he moved on the court. Well, Iowa, like <laughs> Iowa guys know how to shoot. I don't know what to tell you. This poll has fewer votes than the previous one. Only 277 people have voted. The top answer with 110 votes was best player available, followed by a close second with 109 votes. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> that's great just for Tom and I's draft content. That's a really good, that's a really good sign with a month to go. All right, guys. Well, we can leave it there. Thank you, everybody who listened. Uh, Thank you, everybody who's left us a five-star review or a rating. We appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.